Keep on riding with us as we continue to broadcast the balance and defend the discourse from these Hip Hop Weekly Studios. Welcome back to Civic Cypher. I'm your host, Ramses Ja. He is Ramses Ja. I am Q Ward. You are tuned in and hopefully tuning back in to Civic Cypher. Mm-hmm. And uh, we still got some more to talk about. Um, we're going to spend a big part of this next half of the show <laughs> discussing black employment mm. or specifically black unemployment. And um, we're going to do our best to connect that to a lot of different facets of not only black life in America, but society in general. And we have obviously the data to support all this. And, and so there's, there's, there's a lot here. You know, there's been a lot of conversations about like reparations, a lot of conversations about restorative justice. I think we need to look at the problems too, so that people understand why we're putting forth these solutions. And again, there's that and so much more to stick around for. But before we get there, let's discuss BA, BA, Becoming a Better Ally, Baba. And today's Baba is sponsored by Friends of the Movement. You can sign up for the free voter wallet from FOTMglobal.com to support black businesses and allied businesses, as well as make an impact with your spending. Again, that's FOTMglobal.com. Q, take it away. Visit ActivelyBlack.com. Search Actively Black on every social media platform that you're on. However, if you Google Actively Black, you might get some results that are a bit, would you say, misleading, Ramsey? Misleading. Um, the sports athleisure company Fabletics is using the actively black brand name in their Google ads for Black History Month. <laughs> There's so much to unpack here. From the IG post from Actively Black uh, Instagram at Actively Black. Now, there is nothing illegal about bidding on actively black as a keyword for Google ads. So this is not an issue of legality, but rather of morality. The company stated has about a $5 billion valuation. So clearly the three-year-old black owned brand does not have the budget to outbid them for their own name in Google ads. Wow. The question is why? Is your corporate greed not being satisfied? Was your marketing team not able to come up with an authentic way to reach a black audience for Black History Month other than using a black owned brand's name in a paid search ad? You knew people would be at would be Googling actively black or you knew they had the budget to pay to search the term actively black to show up when they were looking for us and us being actively black. That's a caption from their Instagram page. So so in short, this company called Fabletics, we need to boycott Fabletics and we need to support Actively Black. Okay? Activelyblack.com. Yes. There is greatness in our DNA. Yes. So that is your Baba walking orders for the week. Let's help a brother out. All right. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. On to Black unemployment. Okay. Let's get it started here. Got to set it off. Let's get it. Let's go. It's time. Mm. <laughs> what you guys can see, Ram is getting more motivated. Yeah, get hype, man. Each time he says this out loud. All right. Uh, so I'm going to share a bit from ABC News. The black unemployment rate, rate is consistently twice that of white workers. And here's why. The unemployment rate among black men jumped to 5.3% in January, rising from 4.6% over the previous month according to data by the U.S. Department of Labor on Friday. Um, so in short, what's been happening lately is the economy is doing okay. okay. Um, you could blame the president for that. 
which would be an interesting thing to do, right? Because the heroes of the other side of the aisle would not even see that. <laughs> not only that, not only that, but we've looked at the same data mm-hmm. for very, very popular presidents like Ronald Reagan, mm-hmm. or maybe the most popular, the guy who was in the office last time. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't like to say his name much. Yeah, we don't need to. In our inventory. Yeah. Um, but rates from three to four times as high, mm-hmm. the black employment, the black unemployment rates, I'm sorry, are three to four times higher under those very, very popular presidents. And this most recent one, a lot of black people stepping up in support of him and telling us all the reasons why he did so much yeah, for Trump us. did so much for black and people. And the data just doesn't. No, not at that. Not even close. Um, now, this in no way is an endorsement of any political candidate because far be it from us to do that for you. Um, but the fact is that economy is doing better. Okay. So what does that mean for black people specifically? Well, um, this article was again, meant to illuminate how the black unemployment rate is consistently twice that of white workers. So I have a little, um, I forget what it's called, but it's like a breakout or whatever it is, a standout a blurb blurb. There you go from the article. And I'll share that. Um, since the U S first collected such data in 1972, the black unemployment rate has consistently stood at levels twice as high as the unemployment rate among white people. This relationship has undergone occasional shifts up or down, but quickly returned to a level of two to one. Okay. So it's from the same article again, that's at ABC news. Again, if you want to read the whole thing, the black unemployment it's important rate. Important to point out where this data came from. Can you say that again? Yeah, please? ABC News, MSN is where we originally got even, it. Even yeah. even beyond that. Yeah, yeah. Well, well yeah, the, the next Department part. of Labor. Yeah, the next the next part. Yeah, so we'll, we'll get there. But yeah, these are all these are all sources. As, as you know, longtime listeners of the show, we do our best to use journalistic, uh, journalistically sourcing. We, we yeah, journalistic source sourcing. There you go. Yeah. From the most journalistically credible sources, sources that we can. Yeah. Or at least a a source with some journalistic integrity, because the truth of the matter is, we've said this before, the truth has a liberal bias to it. So if if people want to make a conservative argument against a news source by calling it liberal or liberal media, the fact of the matter is that the truth often enough has a very liberal bias to Mm -hmm. it. You know, those those of us that subscribe to the same moral compass will note that the truth often uh, lands on, on, on the side of a more liberal uh, uh, argumentative framework. Mm. That's probably the best way to say it. All right. So now that we've established this, that since the data has been collected, there's a black unemployment rate that is roughly two to one consistently. Um, let's discuss a few things. Okay. First thing is... How does this look? What or what's one way that this look? And I know that you wanted you're champing at the bit here. So go ahead. <laughs> Champ no more, my good man. <laughs> um that's unfair to make it like I'm just champing at the bit for this. Well, no, I just... <laughs> I'm very often very eager <laughs> to to kind of share my point of view on the topics yeah. that we talk about. And I I, I thank you for making me smile though, because I'm not typically when we're covering these stories and these topics, I'm not normally in studio with a smile on my face. Mm-hmm. Um, it is very interesting. You, you mentioned me traveling all over the world mm-hmm. and even living abroad and looking at the differences 
uh, in the way that societies as a whole treat people that look like you and I. I mm. uh, lived in, in Barcelona, Spain before, I lived in Palawan, Philippines before, and just recently returned from Tokyo, Japan. Was it a couple weeks ago? Something like that, yeah. And quick story. I go into this restaurant to use the restroom. Upon coming out of the bathroom, I'm getting ready to leave. And one of the gentlemen working there guides me toward a table. I say, no, man, I'm just, I was just using the bathroom. Without saying any words, his gesture said, no, nah, fam. <laughs> buy some. You got to buy some. <laughs> he didn't say any words, but his, his, disposition, his disposition and the gestures that followed said, oh, no, you use the restroom, so use a patron now. You're going to buy something. <laughs> so we sat down and I ordered a, a cup of tea. It was the least expensive thing here since I didn't intend to buy anything. And after I finished my cup of tea and I got up to leave and pay, I realized this place only accepted yen. So I had no Japanese yen and it didn't take a credit card. All I had was American cash. And this gentleman took out a map and used his finger to draw me a path to a currency exchange and or an ATM. And then he put the map down and went back to work. And something really, really powerful happened in that moment. I realized that to this guy, I was a patron in the establishment and that's it. I wasn't the black American guy that might be a thug and might steal and might be trying to get out of paying this check. Nope. He's just a patron and patrons that come into this restaurant, they pay. So let me help him figure out where to get his money changed over so that he can pay. Nothing in him stopped to watch me. Nothing insisted that I come back after me walking down the street and trying to find this place for 20 minutes or a half hour. When I got back, he, he, wasn't, nobody with you. he wasn't looking for me. There was security wasn't waiting. Yeah. He just went back to work. Nothing in him had any idea that I might not come back and pay this bill because to him, I was a person. First and foremost, and really completely, because I was very obviously not J Japanese. Yeah. By the way, I was dressed the way the fact that I was speaking very, very noticeable American English. Yeah. It was clear what I represented. And in this country, I would represent more specifically a young black man from Detroit. But first and foremost, black before man. Mm. In this restaurant in Tokyo, I was just the next check that was due. And since I didn't have the cash, this man wanted to help me find the money to pay my bill. And my entire experience there when I lived in the Philippines, not as beautiful in Spain, but still different than here, noticeably. This idea that we are by nature supposed to be okay with having the lesser experience in every aspect of our life in this country is quite insane. So it's not by chance or by the opinion of Ramses and Q that black people have a harder time here by this data dating back to the 1970s has accurately shown that at a two to one rate, black people are more unemployed for a 50 year almost window. The data is consistent. It might veer a it's little lower years or higher, but it comes right back to 52. that same point. 52 years. That yeah. this, this is not just by chance. Mm -hmm that the data over that long of a time would continue to show the same result so, over and over. And what we need to get into is these are the symptoms of what's the disease, what's leading to the exactly, why exactly. of these kind of so, outcomes. So watch this. What I love about that story is that it shows 
how public opinions shape outcomes for black people, right? And we have to do a separate show about how government posturing and programs helps either establish or fortify public mm -hmm. opinions. Yes, sir. So we, we recognize that this all goes back to governmental policies. The government says, well, this is what the people want. So let's give the people what they want. I'm talking about Jim Crow and segregation, all this sort of stuff. The, the government like kind of wrote the laws for what the people wanted, not what was right. Or otherwise, the government will do things that takes advantage of the most vulnerable of us in society. Mm -hmm. And it makes middle America feel like, oh, well, that's just what they're for. We're supposed to be able to take advantage of those people. And right? unfortunately, sometimes the government will teach people what how to want. do it. Right. Oh, there you go. That's so that's that's kind of what we're trying it to say. Will lead them to that. So watch that this. So so do me this favor. Now share the uh, the the what was that? The National Bureau thing that you oh. mentioned. So this get this. this yeah, this information that we came across was kind of ironic. Uh, a lot of you don't know, but Ramses and I have both worked in higher education together, mm. and in academic and admissions advising, right? So we got to help students graduate, but we also helped students get into school. And we noticed very, I'm talking about immediately, day, day one of both being at this same school, applications, you cannot see a face, but you can read a name. And in a lot of cases, names by people in this country that are African-American, stand out they almost scream i'm black and because people are hiring and admitting these these children these adults that are trying to get jobs people that are trying to get into school those biases creep in creep in to their decision uh, the national bureau of economic research All right. a job applicant with a name that sounds like it might belong to an african-american say Lakeisha or Jamal can find it harder to get a job despite laws against discrimination, affirmative action, uh, a degree of employer enlightenment and the desire by some businesses to enhance profits by hiring those most qualified, regardless of race, African-Americans are twice as likely as whites to be unemployed and earn nearly 25% less when employed. Boom. Now, where is the source of that? One more time. The national bureau of economic research. Okay, so let's Not talk about Ramses Ja. No, that, that wasn't Q Ward that came up yeah, with that, right? That, that whole paragraph was from that place. Okay, all right. I didn't write that. So let's talk about this lady that's trying to run for president. Nikita, what is it? N Namrika, what's her, what's her actual name? The people know her as Nikki Haley. You give me a Nimrata. Name. I think you it's Nimrata. Yeah, there, go ahead. Her given name. Yeah, go ahead. Please, please proceed. So, you may have heard her name in recent uh, weeks talking about uh, the Civil War was not fought about slavery, uh, that America is not a racist country. In fact, she went on to uh, Charlemagne, uh, you know, a friend of the show. We went on Charlemagne's show the other day. The Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club, yeah. And uh, kind of, again, tried to suggest that America is not a racist country all the while using this assumed name of Nikki and identifying in the interview the very racism that she says that 
America does not stand upon, was not built upon, does not continue to enjoy the legacy of, does not continue to perpetuate. And, and see these data, this number, these numbers we're reading is in the same country, right? In the same country. So, so go ahead. What's her name? Nimarada. Ooh. Randawa. Wow. Okay. Okay. Now she admits that she's a brown woman. All right, cool. She looks very white passing. No she, question. She didn't say that. You would not, you would not know. No question. Um, and the only thing that you have to do with a name like that is just change the name. Something that sounds a little bit more, what's the word? White passing? Yes. And then you can move through time and space. Kind of like a white woman does. Right. So I don't believe that there's any incentive to do that. If indeed she is a proud, proud brown woman, I believe that might be East Indian. Uh, yeah, she's Indian. Yeah. So, so that there's there's no incentive and tells stories about her experience growing up Indian in sure, this country sure. that, so that that directly oppose the things that she's saying, saying out loud. Right. So there's no reason to switch your name unless you feel like somehow that gives you some sort of advantage somewhere. If in fact you are proud of your heritage, your upbringing, your parents that named you that. The only reason to switch your name is because you feel like it's going to provide some sort of advantage, some more, more comfortable access to something, right? And what is the barrier that you're trying to overcome called to get to the place where things are more easy, to, to get to the place where things are more comfortable for you, where you have more access? What is that barrier called? Well, around these parts, we call that racism. And guess where we call it racism? In the United States of America. And we say it loudly and we say it with our whole chest because it is factual. Indeed, I can point that woman who wants to be the president to the very laws that shape the realities that you and I, Q Ward and Ramses Jha, are still dealing with right now and are indeed our families and our communities. And, and it was the law. In fact, this very country was founded on the fact that we had a slave class. And, and I, I put this on one of Almost our singularly the reason why slavery in this country is different than all other yeah, cases class. of slavery throughout history. Right. That entire quote-unquote class of people are slaves. Yeah, not, not second class. By birth. Class. Exactly. So watch this. So I put a post on our social media the other day. And uh, I might butcher it now, but roll with me. There was no such thing as white people before the transatlantic slave trade. White people did not exist. Here's what I mean when I say that. Nor did black people. Nor did black people. And the reason that white people, the term white people, came about is because European colonizers and enslavers were taking black people and they needed a way to delineate the slave class from the non-slave class, right? And again, a slave, a chattel slavery, where if you're my slave because I conquered your tribe or whatever, your children are now a part of my tribe. Our tribe has grown, okay? If you're, if you're my slave because I bought you as a slave, if you have children, those are not slaves. I didn't buy them. They were born free. In the United States of America, that's chattel slavery. Your children and their children and their children will be my slaves in perpetuity, right? That's the slavery we had here, a slave class, okay? 
Now, for this woman to say, I know we're talking about black unemployment. And that class of slave was not about what you just said, conquer or conflict or war. No, you're black, so you're a slave here. That's it. That's how this works. Watch the movie 12 Years a Slave. You could be free and then be enslaved. (laughs) Okay? Anyway, um, so it's it's very hurtful when people like that try. It's like a slap in our face to say, like, America's not a racist country. I don't believe America's a racist, especially for a woman who changed her name to get over that hump that we know of as racism, that we call racism. Now, with this last minute or so, I want to make sure that we at least hit a couple of points. Mm-hmm. We're talking about black unemployment. One of the things that's really important uh, that we discuss on this show is restorative justice. You know what I mean? Um, what is it that this country can do to make things right for this group of people who indeed built this very country with our hands and our sweat? Yeah, the right? singular group of people who throughout history Did has work. not gotten Anything in the way of reparations or restorative justice. So now you're starting to understand why we have that conversation about reparations and how reparations in and of itself could serve as investments into black businesses that could affect black employment rates. And you're starting to see how this this works. Right. Most crimes that we discuss on the show are indeed crimes of poverty. If, If the same crime, if the person was rich, there's no need to commit it. Right. No need to commit it whatsoever. Right. Um, it, and you got to think about that instead of what Tupac said, I say this on the show all the time, instead of a war on poverty, they have a war on drugs. So the police can bother me. Right. What a bar. And when the victims of the war on drugs look like us, they make it criminal. Now, those who are under the thumb of, of you know, what they would have called narcotics, then what they call opioids. Now it's a health crisis. See what I'm saying, Q. That's what I'm, I'm saying. saying. Go ahead and say that there. But listen. Now, hopefully you understand a little bit more of the framework of kind of why we push for restorative justice, economic justice, reparations, things like this, because it works. So we'll leave that one right there. And uh, as always, I'd like to thank you for tuning in for another episode of Civic Cypher. Once again, I've been your host, Ramses Ja. He is Ramses Ja. I am Q Ward. Please subscribe, like, share, uh, donate if you can. But listen, we understand that donations are not always easy but some things that are free telling people about our show supporting our show subscribing give us a rating give us a review give us some positive comments please come into the comments and say anything nice because there <laughs> are some hearts thousands of people <laughs> literally saying the most vile evil things ever to us even before the show we were on live before i saw hateful comments popping up on the screen not in the live but on other post of ours. So, you know, please show us some love when you can. Yeah, it comes with the territory, but we are encouraged and we are going to keep going and we can only do that with your support. So until next week, y'all. Peace. Peace.